Welcome to the Building Lives Podcast, hosted by Joe Fury. We're a show that deals with healing, restoring, and navigating relationships. We post weekly to YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Welcome back to the Building Lives Podcast. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah. Great. All right, so we've got a big one to talk about today. We're going to be talking today about the biggest challenge we've had in the past, we have in the present, and we have in the future. And that's our self-talk. Mm. Scripture tells us this in Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. We think in words. We Nobody talks to you more than yourself. Mm. And so the words we speak to ourselves are really important. With words, we think about our beliefs. With words, we talk about our worth. With words, we convince others, we convince ourselves. Um, Words are literally, like scripture says, life and death. They will produce life in us or they will produce death. They will kill things or they will make them blossom. Words are the most powerful thing we have. In fact, it tells us in um, Proverbs 18.4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters, Mm. but the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. So if we want to take a moment and, you know, ask ourselves, what do we say to ourselves? What are the words we speak to ourselves? They come from a deep well. And then scripture says, wisdom comes in like a little tiny brook. And that's why it is so hard for us. And it takes so long for us to transform the way we think about things, the way we speak to ourselves. Many of us have condemning thoughts and those are from a deep well. And oftentimes that well starts when we're young, when we're called stupid. Um, when we fail at things. Um, right. I had this situation in my life. I remember when I was like six years old, my dad I was fixing my bike. He had it upside down. He was changing the tire, and I guess it was flat. And he told me to go get the 916th box in, and wrench. And it was like, I have no idea what that is. But I went into the garage, and I stood by the tool bench, and I just looked around. I had no idea what I was looking for. I had no idea what it was. Yeah. And a little while later, my dad comes in and he smacks me in the head and he grabs the wrench and he kind of holds it in front of me yeah. as if I should know this. And so those words, that action gave me words I spoke to myself, which is, I'm not mechanical. I should know about these kinds of things. And it affected me all the way up into my adulthood is that I'm not good with things. Wow. I, you know, and it also created in me words that spoke to me is that I should know about things I have never experienced before. I should somehow know how to do something having never done it before. And Therefore, if I didn't know about things, don't try it. I remember being young and raising my hand in class and asking what I thought was a uh, valid question. Uh And kids laughed at me like it was a stupid question. And 
I spoke words to myself, never raise your hand again in class. Right. It also sunk down deep in me. Don't ask for help. You should be able to figure it out. And I've taken those words and they have spoken over and over and over in my mind throughout my life. And it has hindered me. Those were deep water words that affected the way I did life. And all of us have that same uh, situation going on. What we speak to ourselves. Some of us don't like to be alone because our head starts telling us things that are negative. We're not good company to ourselves. Others of us are good company to ourselves. It is interesting that when people speak a compliment, oftentimes they feel like they need to be very careful in how they word that because they don't want you to get a big head. They don't want you to feel too good about yourself. Right. You know, we have to qualify that statement. But on the other hand, I feel free to tell you what I think is wrong with you yeah. or what is not working right. But yet I don't, I'm very careful about blowing your head up. And so we have all these words we speak to ourselves. Then we want to change and it's difficult because wisdom, which is the proper, proper application of knowledge, is wisdom. Mm. So it's knowing something and then applying it properly takes so long. That's why sometimes we know we should do something. I, I've talked to many people who do not change jobs, even though they hate the job they're in. Oh, man. Because they tell themselves over and over, I can't really do anything new. I, I don't have the skill set for that. I, as if they can't learn. Right. You know, I would like to go to school and learn something new and get a different career, but I never was good at school. Because they had yeah. that bad experience when they were younger and they keep telling themselves over and over and over again they can't do it. When in reality, they could. But it's their self-talk that is sabotaging them. So I tell people, write down what, you're, you, what your head tells you. Mm. What's going on? What are the words you speak to yourself? Yeah. Is the How many of us have tried to do something new, but before we even start, we quit because we've already talked ourselves out of it. I can't do it. I, I, I'm not that type of person. I'm not that smart. It's like those are negative words that have great destructive power and they're deep. And so we start to hear new information, but it trickles in. And it takes a long time for that to change the deep reservoir of all the other words we have in our lives. And so we have to learn new techniques on one, knowing what we say to ourselves and then not allowing ourselves to believe everything we say. You know, and, and a lot of us have had people speak death over us and not speak life over us. Yeah, that's and, a real know, statement. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, tell us what we can't do. Tell us we're no good at doing things. You know, ang express anger at us for our lack of capability when oftentimes we just didn't have the capacity at that point in life to do that kind of stuff, yeah. whatever it is. And so I'm not as smart as this person. You're not like your brother. You're not as you know, important as your sister. And it, it, we might not have had those exact words spoken to us, but we speak it to us. And so nobody can damage me as much as I can damage me. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, Self-talk is 
either our best friend or our worst enemy. Yeah. And learning to look at ourselves and speak to ourselves as God speaks to us is a life-changing event. That we are worthy. We are the apple of his eye. We're children of God. He has a plan and a purpose for us. We were put in this generation on purpose. Mm. And there's a purpose for us in it. Yeah. We are valued. We are more than our failings. We are valuable people who add value. You know, how often does our head tell us, that, oh, Joe, you add value. You know, I, (laughs) (laughs) we often hear the opposite. You're not, you don't make any difference. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And so I want to talk today about how we take thoughts captive and how we move forward in our thinking and, uh, and understanding that not everything we say to ourselves is the truth. And I think this is another area that a lot of people, I'll throw myself in the bucket and included, like sometimes you built up a, a narrative about a situation that ended up ultimately not being true. And it's like, we have the capacity to do that. Someone sends a text you misread or something, you build a whole narrative about what they're thinking or feeling towards you or or this or that. And it's like, you start telling yourself all these things and it's usually tied more to past experiences than to what that situation actually is. Absolutely. But um, those narratives you build will will dictate how you act in different situations or, or don't act or do act, et cetera. So I think this is a really important one to really dive into. Yeah, if you perceive people don't like you mm. by some slight, then that's going to affect the way you respond to those people or not show up. You know, we start to move away from them. Some of us have complete dialogues with another person without ever including them. (laughs) We're (laughs) speaking our part in our head and then we're speaking their part and we're having this dialogue over. And we basically now have figured out where they're at without ever consulting them and and, and, or judging their motives. I know why they did that. They didn't tell me, but I know. And it's like, you don't know. You only know what someone tells you. And so we have dialogue going on, but it's a one-way dialogue. Mm. And uh, when we make big decisions off of that, sometimes at great cost, you know. And the opposite is true too. When we are speaking truth to ourselves, when we are listening to, because I don't have to listen to everybody, but I probably need to listen to some people. And so words are such a, Big deal. In fact, take a moment and think about how the words of family and friends affected you as you were growing up. If you had parents who were encouraging and supportive, it most likely gave you strength, courage, and a strong sense of self. If your friends were supportive as well, then you were made to feel secure and valuable. You were probably more confident around people. Right. And no matter what our upbringing is, none of us grew up in a totally supportive environment. So we will all have things we will need to overcome in our self-talk. Right. In fact, if we're honest, we'd probably say the very worst things to people who we profess to love the most. Oh, yeah, especially you know? a spouse. Yeah, spouses, children. You know, we profess to love them, but we can also say the most damaging things to them. Yeah. Without thinking it makes a big difference 
That old saying, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you, is about the biggest lie there is. <laughs> words have great power to damage. People will hold on to a little line you said 20 years ago. And, and they will take it. that line and build on it to where they have a whole conversation around yeah. that line that was never part of the dialogue to start with. And then we, you know, and then it affects us. And then we look at that person through that filter yeah. and, you know, it brings death to a degree. I'm never as close to them again. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not going to be their friend. And uh, yeah, words have tremendous power. And so we need to be aware of that. And then we need to learn to be able to speak to another person. This is what you, I heard you say and not trust my own thinking. I want to hear from you. I'm feeling like what you said mm. affected me like this. Is that what you meant? What What did you mean by that? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> right? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking bad thoughts about it. Yeah, I, I, my wife had t told me a long time ago, she goes, Joe, you have this tendency to put me down in front of your guy friends. Mm. Why do you do that? Yeah. Why do you do that? And it was like, I had to think. Why do that? Why do I do? I ask myself that question. Why, why do I do what I do? Right. Why do I think what I think? And it was like, oh, I didn't want to show myself needing a woman. Uh, you know, she's, you know, I, I'm cool without <laughs> having her. You know, I don't, I don't need that. And that comes from woundedness. Right. Learning to self-talking when I was younger. Um, don't trust people. So, you know, don't get too close to them. Don't look like you're needy or dependent. And, and that's, that was self-talk I carried for a long time. Don't look like you're needy or dependent because you're not. You can do it. And you can, you know, you can figure it out. And by that basically bore out in my life that if I didn't understand it, I didn't do it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. How did you assess and start to address um, maybe some of like the self-talk stuff in your life? Uh, when I started to go, first of all, when I started to go to counsel at 21 years old, I was uh, not suicidal, but super self-destructive. Okay. I was daredeviling a lot of stuff and, and you know, um, drugs were really beginning to control my life. And uh, I knew, and, and the whole molestation by the priest and all the talk that it caused inside my head, um, I needed to get help. So I went to Orange County Mental Health, and that's when I sat in for the first time with the therapist. And, you know, she began the process of asking me, why would you think like that? Started asking me thoughts, asking me what I was thinking about my thoughts. Ah. What was going on there? Why, why would you think that? Right. What made you decide to go that way? You know, what happened? What did that make you feel like? And then, you know, giving me some, some tools to begin to look at what am I thinking about myself? And is that true? Is it true? You know? Yeah. And, and, and now I get to choose because once I look at the thought, now I can choose what I want to do with it. If I don't even know I have any control over those thoughts, right? if my head just spins, you know, and I don't realize that I can do something with these thoughts, I don't have to go with every thought that runs in my head 
and then follow it out. I can stop a thought and refuse to keep dealing with it. And that's where God came into the picture. When I started to learn that I can take thoughts captive. Right. Because thoughts are either going to take us captive or we take them captive. And that's another thing I've learned is I am not my thoughts. I am separate from my thoughts. My thoughts are like things are words that pass through my head. They're not necessarily me. And so I need to adjust and look at that thought and go, well, now, is that thought true? Is that thought correct? And if it isn't, then I, I, I come against that thought. And, and I, I do it simply by coming against it in the name of Jesus. I reject that thought in the name of Jesus. I reject the thought that I'm less than others. I reject the thought that I'm incapable of being a good husband. I'm incapable of, you know, performing at a high level. I, I, I reject that thought. I reject that thought that I have to be perfect. You know, I, I can be good. Good enough. Good is good enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not only a good visual, but like really good application. Looking at it from that perspective is like not every thought that comes into my head is helpful. Right. But also like evaluating the thoughts you have is like probably something not a lot of people do. And I know like, especially in your teenage years and your early 20s, I think you kind of think like, however I think is probably how everyone thinks. Right. We all think the same, and anyone who doesn't is probably just pretending. I, I remember I used to be kind of like in that camp where I'm like, you know, if people act super happy all the time, like it's a show, it's a mask, <laughs> no one's that happy. We all know this this place sucks, and you yeah. know, life's terrible, you're putting on a show, and like you kind of think whatever the narrative in your head is, that's right. probably what everyone else is thinking too. Right. And then as you get into like especially like marriage or like deep deep relationships with friends or whatever and you run into roadblocks you start to realize like oh people can come at an issue or a problem or just whatever from completely different angles like right people view things differently and that's where gaps in communication can happen and well we assume oftentimes in relationships that they should know what i'm thinking right you've been around me long enough you should know what i'm thinking you know, you should know this. It's like, I don't know anything unless you tell me. Mm. I am incapable of reading a mind. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if you, you know, if you tell me, then I have a responsibility to respond to that. But if you don't tell me and you assume I'm supposed to know, or if I assume you should know, then I am making, a, you know, a big mistake and I am going to judge that person because if I assume you should know something and you should be doing it and you don't, oh, now you're hurting me. Yeah. Oh, now you're messing with me on purpose. And it's like, no, it's, uh, it's not true at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and our thoughts are not always tied into reality. And so we need to uh, address that. And um, I am responsible for my thoughts and you are for yours, and I am responsible to you for what you share with me. What you don't share with me is, I, how can I, you know, I'm in a trick bag. I should know what to do when you don't tell me anything. It was like I used to be in, in the world, you know, get that 916th box and wrench, yeah. and uh, I should know what that is. It's like, 
My dad assumed in his thinking I should know what that is. I jumped on that same bandwagon and assumed I should know what that is because yeah. he's, he's the charge guy around here. So yeah. if he thinks I should know, I should probably know. And that's what teens oftentimes do, like you said. They think everybody thinks the same. I mean, what, what's one of our big things? We think people are always thinking about us. Yeah. People, they're always thinking about themselves. Uh, yeah. You know, if everybody's looking at me, they're not yeah. looking at you. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I'm super unique. Nobody knows my problems. Nobody's had problems like I've had. Right. Nobody's had to deal with my, you know, you're unique, but you're not that unique. You know, you, you, your problems are common problems. And we, and that's what helps us is when we get those words out and realize that you think that way too. You know, you have those same kinds of thoughts. You struggle with, you know, thinking you're okay. How many of us struggle with that? Absolutely. I mean, how many are even comfortable in their own body? Always wanting to make change. I know married couples that don't even get naked with each other because they are so uncomfortable in their own bodies. And therefore, you're uncomfortable with my body. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable. That means everybody's uncomfortable. Well, it's funny because as you're talking through that too, I'm thinking like even like a handful of years ago when I started with this agency and I was on a commercial set and like in video production, like everything has different names. So something can be like very simple and, you know, and I remember being told to go grab something and like just sitting there and like staring in the gear area and I'm like, <laughs> what? I don't want to seem stupid by having to ask for clarity, yeah. but I have no idea what they're asking me to grab right now, you know? Right. And it's funny, like even in my 30s, like it's like you don't want to come off like you don't know things or like, right. you know, so it's funny the positions you'll put yourself in. But yeah. um, having negative self-talk, the way we treat ourselves, a lot of people are self-deprecating with their body or whatever or the way they talk about themselves, even publicly, internally. What is the result of those things? Like, how does that generally play out in people's lives if they talk to themselves poorly? Well, you're, if you win the battle of your thought life, you win the battle of life. Mm. So if you can win that battle, in fact, James says it this way. He says, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Mm. If we can control our tongues, and part of that tongues is what we say to ourselves. If we can control that and learn to speak words that are life-giving, lear learn to speak words that bring uh, reconciliation, that bring healing, that are supportive, that build up and not tear down, whether it's others and ourselves, we win. We, we can control every other aspect of our lives mm. because those words are direction givers. Our speech gives direction, either good direction or negative direction. And so the words we speak to ourselves, nobody else hears, give direction to our lives. The words we speak to others give direction to their lives. You know, And so words ha truly have the power of life and death. Mm. And... Those who love words, and we all do love them, eat of them. And we eat the fruit of that. So it's vitally important that we learn 
to take our thoughts captive to truth. There's like the false um, belief that like it doesn't really matter how I talk to myself or treat myself, but it's like I guess that kind of shifts like with my relationship with God, there's things about me that I probably would have wanted to change. You know, I think that's just human nature is you're like, uh, you know, every intimate flaw you have. And you're like, why this, why that? But my relationship with God taught me that it's like, I was created for a purpose and a reason. And there's things about me that like, for instance, I'll throw it out there. Like I can be very sensitive, like emotionally. And that was somewhat a liability that drove me to like pill addiction and different things is like wanting to sedate myself. Like I just don't want to feel. And now I actually think directing documentaries that's become an asset because I get in tune with how people feel and how I navigate interviews with people or like how I tell stories. I'm, I'm able to put myself in people's shoes a lot of times and it's because I can be overly empathetic and I'm like, man, thank you, God, that like you gave me this asset that felt like a liability at one point, but now it helps me do what I want to do with my life. And that's to tell compelling stories through documentaries or, you know. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it's like if, if you believe that you were made on purpose for a purpose, as you kind of talked about earlier, it's like you start to realize that it's like, to talk about yourself so poorly or negatively is like, well, if you can change it, change it. And if it's something you can't change, then it's like, you got to come to terms with it. And like something like for me that there's times that I get too empathetic and I, I wish like, can you turn the faucet off? Like there's so much hurt in the world. Sometimes I want to turn it off. And that's what used to drive me to like sedating myself. But now I'm like, no, I need to learn how to deal with that more practically but that's like my superpower when I need it is yes. I can connect with people absolutely, and have compassion and empathy and be able to connect and, and get their trust that like you get it and you're going to share my story in a way that honors me because you understand how I'm feeling. So it's like every strength, rant, every strength has a corresponding weakness. Mm. If I have a, if I'm a great encourager, I can also be a great discourager. Wow. I can tear you down too, as well as pick you up. So it's learning to use the talk uh, with our gifts and our talents in a way that is productive. Being uh, overly empathetic uh, can lead me to depression. Right. I start to you know, see the horror in the world and I start talking myself into this whole downer is the negative aspect of it, whereas the other aspect, it can cause me to move to action on behalf of the pain of others. I understand what that pain is, and I want to do something about it. And I, I can connect with it, but not just connect it. That's sympathy. Sympathy is just, oh, I'm really sad that person's suffering like that. Empathy is, I'm really sad that person's suffering like that. What can I do? And so we become, you know, vessels. Inwardly, it can cause great destruction in our lives. Oh, this world is so bad. What can I do? Just, uh, you know, die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't take the pain no more. Yeah. And I don't want to suffer anymore. And so we have all those different aspects of any kind, whatever the gift is. 
You know, I, yeah. I'm a motivator, man. You know, I have a real capacity to motivate people with my words. Flip side of that is I can demotivate you. Same power behind the word. It just one brings life, one brings death. Wow. I can bless my wife and I can destroy her. I can, you know, I can see, I know her weak spots. I can either encourage her through that or I can use it as a put down upon her. Right. And uh, same thing with our children, you know, and, and same thing with other people we work with. Same thing in everything else. I'm a, either a life giver or a death, you know, bringer. And uh, that's why it's so important to realize what is going on inside me. What is the words? What are the words I'm speaking to myself? Are they the truth? Right. And then it's easy to come against them because scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, we are to take every word captive to obedience to Christ. Right. You know, so that implies that we can be taken captive ourselves if we don't take it captive. And that's pretty radical when you think about what he's saying to take every thought captive. It's kind of like, is that to be taken literal? And it's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> it is. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And he says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. What are the weapons of the world? They're destructive. They're, they're, they're power. Uh, you know, they're, they're used to tear people apart. We don't use those weapons. On the contrary, we use weapons that have divine power to break strongholds, to break things that have held us strongly and to free us from that kind of thought life. Because there are thoughts that hold us tight. It's called a stronghold. Right. You know, no matter what's going on, some of us have this idea, no matter what good is going on, bad's coming. Right. That's my belief system. That's my thought system. You know, nothing good ever lasts. Bad things are going to happen. Rather than some good things are going to last and then some bad things are going to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's yeah. just life as opposed to life is doing it to me. You know, right. I'm a victim of life. It's like, you're living life and things happen. You know, I've, I've heard many people say, God, I can't take one more thing. I can, you know, they've talked themselves into that. Their life is just at max. They can't take one more thing. Right. The crazy part is they always can take one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember a friend saying to me, um, Man, every time my bank account exceeds X amount, it's like the universe knows and punishes me. And then yeah. this happens and this happens. And it's like, I don't want to like offend him. But I'm like, if I took your life and some of the things you've told me going on lately and like showed you that in someone else, you'd realize that like a lot of the things you think the universe is out to get you for are direct consequences from like your carefree actions. Right. You know? Like, if you would own the actions, then all these bad things would stop happening all the time. But instead, it's like you live this, like, kind of carefree, selfish life. And then when the piper comes to be paid, you're like, oh, the universe is out to get me. And, right. You know, like, it always happens to me. And, you know, I can never get ahead in life. And I'm like, well, dude, you're at the bar, like, five <laughs> nights a week. Like, you want to know where all your money is going? I, I can tell you where all your yeah. money is going. You yeah, know? it's... it's it, you're telling yourself lies. That's yeah. why the truth is so important. 
I mean, I know people that if things are going well, God's blessing them. Oh, God's blessing me so much right now. He's just really blessing me. And if anything goes bad, why is God doing this? Why is God against me? Is he punishing me? What did I do wrong? And it's like, you know, it's like, well, one thing is you misunderstand blessing. Mm. You equate blessing to just one area of your life. Maybe God's trying to teach you perseverance. Wow. And he's allowing some hard things to come in your life. So you learn to walk and carry hard things and still keep walking. You know, it's the story we tell each other. What is the story I'm telling myself, you know, about the situation? Because situations will happen, but what is the story I'm telling myself about it? Yeah. Because I'm painting a picture and I'll I'll walk out whatever that picture is, you know. Um, People dieting. You know what? I've been good for four days. I should, you know, go out and splurge, you know. I've been doing really good. You're telling yourself a story. Yeah. You're sabotaging yourself, but you're painting it like it's kind of a good thing. Yeah. You know, it's a helpful thing. Yeah. And it's like, what are we doing? And uh, so, you know, checking our words, you know, and understanding where is the root of those words? You know, I sometimes I'll have people write down, write down all the words you tell yourself. And it's invariably, you're stupid. Mm. You don't know you're never going to amount to anything. And of course, I deal with a lot of people on the, uh, uh, you know, recovery end of life. They're recovering from lots of different things. I mean, I've dealt with people that you'll never find another woman. You'll never find another spouse. You'll never find a, you know, they've been divorced or they've had, you know, I'm too old. How many people when they were young? Oh, I don't have to deal with that. I'm so young. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, so you're sabotaging yourself for the future because you're telling yourself a story that the the future will always be there. Yeah. It's like, mm, it might not be there. Yeah. You know, I can always deal with this later. Well, how many times do we call things not a big deal that are a big deal? Yeah. And then the things that are a big deal, we call them not a big deal. And so, you know, we, we, we self-sabotage by our words, which lead to our actions, which lead to the consequences we get in life. And, uh, you know, I can't stop everything that comes in my direction. That's part of, you know, I say there's always two things, things that come at us and things we create. If I eliminate half of my created problems, my life gets so much easier. I can't often do a lot with what comes at my life. It just does but I can do a lot with what I create. And I have learned over time and continue to battle fears and insecurities. Probably my biggest issue I deal with is uh, I'm, I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. you know? And even though that was spoken over my life a long time ago, and I don't even know if it was by other people as much as it is by me, um, but that idea that I'm not good enough um, still, uh, you know, likes to reside if it can and find a landing place in my mind. Yeah. So I have to, and I know that's part of my deal. I know that's part of the way Joe thinks without condemnation. I don't condemn myself. I just, and that's what sometimes we do because we don't want to look at bad aspects of our lives, you know, because if we condemn ourselves, then, you know, I don't want to look at that. It's like, no, look at what, I know I have strengths and I know I have weaknesses. Mm. I know that. And so, but I'm still okay. 
I, and and I, I'm still, I tell myself I'm okay because why? God says I'm okay. Yeah. He, you know, he knows everything about me and accepts me. One of my friends called out like some years ago. He's like, you're a rescuer. Is my tattoo artist, but he's like a good mentor. He's like, you have this like validation thing going on that I don't know if you realize, but you try and rescue people and you show up for them. And if they receive it, then you feel like really good, right? But if they reject it or go back into their problems, it like rocks your world. And he's like, you're defining your self-worth by how people do or don't receive when you show up for them as a friend or whatever else, right? And that's something I've been aware of. And then recently, one of the, the youth kids from a church I was at for a long time committed suicide. And it kind of rocked me because I like, I felt like I, I recognized the, the warning signs of the road he was going down. And I knew there was some drug addiction that had become a thing. And it was like, we should have gone after him harder or like, we should have done this. And I kind of, I caught it again. And I'm like, this is a narrative that I'm telling myself that I could have changed it. If I was there, that it would have panned out different. Or if I like had tried to be there more for that kid, I would have changed the outcome. And then I beat myself up with it. But it's a narrative that I can't possibly know if it's true. So just as an application, like, that would be an example of like, and how self-talk has affected me is like trying to put myself in a place that I believe that only God can be in. And that's the ultimate intervener. And I believe not that like you shouldn't show up for people, but like if I had done things differently, I would have affected that outcome and I should hold guilt for not doing things differently. You know, um, We'll say any sort of thing like that. Someone has a narrative they built in their head. What would you say the first step to addressing that is? Oh, we have to renounce the lie. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I encourage people to do is I confess, God, that I have participated in the lie that by me helping others, they can, I can control how they change. Mm -hmm. I can get them to change when I help them. It's probably one of the things with your empathy is empathy wants to help them so much that you think you can, if you explain it well enough, if you're there long enough, if you do the right action, if you did this, they would go along with your, you know, uh, whatever you prescribed. And that's the lie. I, that's a lie. I cannot control another person's actions. I can, so I renounce that lie that if I give them the right food, if I give them the right direction, if I, uh, if I intervene early enough, show them the right way to go, whatever it is that they will change. I renounce that lie and I affirm the truth that I am to be a blessing to them, but I have no control over their decision-making. Right. And, and. That it, so that's that's a practical way. I acknowledge what I do believe, and I acknowledge that either it's the truth or a lie. And then if it's a lie, then I acknowledge it, then I proclaim the truth over that. I renounce that as a way to believe. I may need to do that hundreds and hundreds of times yeah. because the well is deep. 
that well is deep. So I need to trickle in wisdom like a brook, as we read earlier, as often as I need to trickle it in. And then over time, the dilution of the truth with the deepness of the other well starts to mitigate its effect. Mm. You know, the solution to pollution is dilution. So if I dilute the pollution long enough with the living water, fresh water, that water begins to change. And that's how it works in our life. So I take a thought and I put it to either truth or lie. Is it the truth? Is it a lie? And it, and it's it's a lie whether I believe it or not, but I'm choosing to believe. Oh, it's a lie I can, can control how someone responds right. to anything I give them. You yeah. Uh, I tell people oftentimes when they're going to go into a, a try to do conflict resolution, they oftentimes have this misbelief that if I go in and I tell them what I'm feeling, they're going to give me a particular response. Mm. They're going to go, oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> does it I go respect that way? It. What, I said, you have to be ready for it to go another way. Right. What if you go in there to give them that and they drop an F-bomb on you yeah. and say, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Now, See, if I'm not prepared for that in my thinking, I'm going to respond out of, uh, being side, you know, being hit sideways. I wasn't expecting that. Now I have no defense for it. So how we deal with our self-talk, okay, I'm going to go in and, and deal with this. But what are all the ramifications that can happen for that? And what am I going to say if they accept it? Awesome. What if they reject it? How am I going to respond to that? Yeah. Because that is good self-talk. I'm going in there wide open. When I go in with just one little angle, if I go talk to that kid that's struggling, yeah, I should be able to reach him and he'll come along and problem taken care of. Gosh, don't we wish it was that easy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've noticed in the past year working on a documentary tied to addiction, you see that with a lot of parents of addicts. They, it's almost like, if I did this or like I, they feel like I can get my kids sober if I just did this thing or if I vocalized accurately the thing. And it's like you're putting this weight, this whole narrative you're telling yourself that like their addiction's your fault and you can fix it for them. Or maybe it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But maybe you're not, you know, telling yourself it's your fault, but I, I can fix them if I just vocalize the right way i can reason them out of being a drug addict and it's like that's just not how it works no yeah we have this idea we think linear that if i do this if i do a i'll get b if we do b we'll get c because our brains are wired that way our brains have a desire to know and to uh prophesy how something should happen if we do these desired steps, you know? And the truth is that for every action you take, and it's normal for parents to think that, it's normal for people going through divorce to think if we just would have did this different, if that would have happened, if, you know, some event always, usually it's triggered to a loss. Something happened, bad, worst case or a bad case scenario. And then I look at that and I replay and look at, okay, what could have changed in the movie? Mm. And it would have given me a different result as if you had control over 
that person. And it always comes down to that is like, I, if we just did the right thing, we'd get the right result. Yeah. Really? You know, it's like people, if I eat well, they tell themselves it's like, you know, if I eat well and I exercise, I won't get sick. It's like, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. There's genetic components involved in that. You know, there are multiple other stressors involved in that issue in the body and what your body is you know, uh, uh, prone to and what, you know, we have DNA set up for that is pre-programmed weaknesses. So we can do what we can do, but we don't have final say over a lot of things where our brain likes to tell us we do, you know, our, we like to come to a conclusion and so many things are open-ended. Yes, we do. You know, and Well, we kind of talked about the importance of taking thoughts captive, the implication of negative narratives, negative self-talk, how words affect the people around us. Maybe on the flip side, what does positive self-talk look like or like engaging in like healthy self-talk? Like what is the picture of that? It always comes down to truth. Healthy self-talk is not fake self-talk. It is truthful self-talk. What is the truth? Because see, I can't do everything. I have strengths. So what are my strengths? What do I do well? That's healthy self-talk. What can I do to help this person? You know what else is healthy self-talk? When I can say this, when I help others advance, I advance. Mm. That's healthy self-talk. If I help them move ahead, it actually helps me move ahead. Because a lot of our self-talk, what? If they're moving ahead, I'm moving behind. I got That's a, true. You know, yeah. I gotta, I, I, I'm in competition all the time. Especially on social media. I think a lot of people have felt that before where it's like, ah, everyone's passing me by. Yeah, it's everyone's like, passing me by. It's a highlight reel. <laughs> Somebody gets a promotion at work. I'm getting a demotion. Yeah. You know, that, you know, and it's like. You know, oh, the only reason they're getting a promotion. We, what's the self-talk we give them? Oh, they kiss up. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're family. Jealousy. Oh, they're jealousy. Envy. envy. Yeah. Those, are all, those are destructive talking. Love, support, encouragement, you know, kindness. Those are truthful things that are fruit-bearing in our lives. They bear good fruit. And so I want to concentrate on the talk to bear good fruit in my life and good fruit in other people's life. What can I say to help a situation? What can I say? And part of that is learning what to speak and what not to speak. Is this the time to speak something? Just because I see a, a, a failing in someone that might not be the right time to talk about it. Right. That, that person sense. might it might not have given me permission to speak into their lives. So for me to just jump in there and start speaking, I am literally hurting the situation. So that self-talk, I have to self-regulate. Mm. And, and that's an important aspect of it. So the application is always to check myself before I speak to myself and to others and check what am I going to say? Is this the right way to say it? Is it truthful? Is it said in such a way to build that person? Or am I saying it to knock them down? And and that's including me too. You know, what am I saying to myself? Yeah. And is it helping me? 
Is it the truth? I'm not stupid. I'm not stupid. I, I've, I've counseled many people that numerous statements out of their mouth is, I'm not stupid. So what you're really telling me is you're trying to fight the belief system that you're stupid. So you keep saying it, I'm not stupid. Yeah. People that don't think they're stupid don't say I'm not stupid. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So I can tell what's going on in a person oftentimes by just listening to how they speak about themselves. Yeah. You know, what do they say about themselves? Okay, that tells me what's their thought belief system inside. Mm -hmm. So it's changing beliefs from lies to truth. And, you know, that's why Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What? Free from what? Believing lies. <laughs> That's pretty practical, huh? Very practical. Yeah. So know what, know what a truth is, know what a lie is, you know? Well, I know this was super helpful for me. Uh, I'm sure viewers, listeners, hopefully this is helpful for a lot of people. This is an area a lot of us battle with. Um, do you have any closing thoughts at all, Joe? Um, if you want to comment on the uh, message, if you want to comment on what we've been dialoguing on, you can reach us at uh, joe.fury at hisplace.com and love to uh, communicate with you and um, perhaps help you with, navigate through some of the self-talk. And uh, we're here to help. Absolutely. Well, thanks for tuning in and join us next, next week. As we move forward <laughs> in building lives. There we go. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Building Lives with Joe Fury. We're a weekly podcast dealing with healing, restoring, and navigating relationships. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at joe.fury at hisplace.com. Thanks for tuning in.